This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at cincyshirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 85. Today on our show, Nate Pelly from the Public Library of Cincinnati in Hamilton County. I was working, this was many years ago, I want to say like on a Wednesday night, and it was pretty slow, and I was shelving some books in what would be the occult section, and there was a book about demonology, and I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I've always been like ghost stories and stuff like that, so I'm kind of like flipping through it or whatever, all of a sudden the lights go out. We found out all kinds of great stuff about the library. Did you know you can make everything from buttons and banners to podcasts there? We also found out about how to get three MP3s, what the library does with your data, you may be surprised, and what the most stolen book is. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. Kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Nate Pelly from the Cincinnati Public Library. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I Cincinnati She came down from Cincinnati Just maybe think of me once in a while I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati I guess a place we would probably start is, are you from Cincinnati originally? Where are you from? I am from Cincinnati originally, yes. Um, what high school? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you know, the, I'm from Cleveland, I know. So, <laughs> so you get the uh, the awesome uh, double whammy of what high school are you from, and then I get to drop Elder on you. So, wow. As, as I like to say, not just Oak Hills or, you know, Elder, you know, okay. which I always tell people, you know, we get that a lot, uh, you know, what high school did you go to? Because it's a Cincinnati thing to say. And when I say elder, it usually gets a reaction either one way or the other, you know, positive or negative for sure, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> depending. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, I didn't grow up here either, so I'm kind of out of the whole high school thing. It's just kind of all right, cool. Well, that's yeah, that's that's it, the answer. Yeah, it, 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 it is <laughs> no a funny judgment on my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it is a funny thing that it's like very Cincinnati. Thing it is. Of, yeah, you know, yeah. What high school did you go to? Yeah. Or you know, I grew up on the west side, so it's you know, what church did you go to? Yes. To get yeah, a little that, bit more specific. So. <laughs> Yeah, what that, school has the best library, or you don't have anything to do oh, with that? I don't have anything to do with that, honestly. Have but, you seen some cool ones? Yeah, there's a lot of really cool ones out there. Um, you know, I a little bit about what I do too. In addition to you know just working in the library, I do um, several times a year. I go to different schools and do like presentations on like 3D printing and stuff like that. And I go and talk about our makerspace mostly, but I get to see some school libraries and media centers or whatever they're calling them nowadays. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Every school has a slightly different name for the exact yeah. same thing. We so. had a media center. <laughs> we did too. What did you have? We uh, had, well, we had doing? we had a library, but then we had a, a we actually had a TV and a radio studio. Nice. And but they didn't put the two together. I guess I guess we really didn't really have a media center until like uh, I guess they call it a media center now. I haven't been back in years, but oh. and I think my daughters at their schools have media centers. In the nineties, ours was a media center. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we had we had books, and then I think there was one closet where the teachers would. 
uh, store like the the movie projectors like oh yeah either yep. well we also had TVs was... with the VCR and the cart that a kid could like just push over on itself in any second yeah and yeah there yeah. was also the the reel to reel movies which See, well, we were separate because there was the AV club which was the people that pushed around the and that, then we had the TV station which actually broadcast out to the cable and we had a radio station that was. It was it was uh didn't broadcast it was closed circuit but we broadcast inside the school before the first bell and at some at lunchtime, and but people would always get us mixed up and and we found that kind of insulting. <laughs> uh, not those AV nerds were TV production we're radio. TV nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Right. So what's your official position at the library? So I am the team leader for the uh, tech center in the makerspace. So the tech center okay. is basically our big computer lab area. Um, we have. 75 computers available for public use and then okay. the makerspace is where we have our 3D printers, laser cutters, recording booth, all that kind of fun stuff. So, so what did all that stuff get? I know the computers have been there for ages. Yeah, the computers have been there for a while. So um, I actually started at the library. It'll be this is my 21st year right now. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, yeah. The, the so you gray, started when you were eight? The, the gray is starting to show a little pre-9/11. bit. Pre-9-11. <laughs> it was pre-9-11. Eight very young folks. <laughs> um, I actually started in high school um, at the Delhi branch. So I, I worked there for a couple of years. I left the library for about 10 months or so, um, worked at Home Depot for a little bit. <laughs> and I saw there was a job opening at the downtown library. I was like, yeah, you know, that was, that was pretty good stuff when I was working at the library. And, you know, steady paycheck and got to be inside. And, you know, <laughs> a climate-controlled environment is always nice. And, you know, the pay was a little bit better than a lot of my friends were making, certainly, you know, in high school. So I was like, hey, you know, you can do that for a little bit. And I started part-time. Um, about a year later, a full-time job opened just as I was getting ready to graduate. I kind of like to eat. So I think I might take that full-time job. Because yeah. it was definitely not like a career path Like at that time. It was like, hey, I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like what I'm doing. So it kind of fell you know, into my lap there, a full-time job right around uh, when I graduated. And next thing you know, I've been working there for 20 years. So, wow. But in 2007, back to your point, um, when the library... Uh, kind of reinvented itself downtown uh we that's when we opened up our tech center big computer lab area and that's kind of when i went more this way uh, with technology as opposed to books okay um so i often uh, i have an uncle uh my wife has an uncle i should say who every time i see him he's like oh did you read the blah blah bestseller and he tries to talk to me about genealogy and stuff like that and i'm like you know i work at the library but quite honestly uh, i can go days and days without touching a book because it's not what i do yeah i work with computers i work with you know technology so um, pretty cool stuff but the makerspace opened in 2015 so uh, a little over about four and a half years now so so people just walk in off the street and start 3d printing <laughs> they could i mean absolutely yeah um so what i think is one of the really cool things about our makerspace that's uh, different than um maybe like a hive one three or places like that locally that are more like subscription based or you, know, you pay you know a fee to use and stuff like that is we're totally open to the public so yeah anybody could come in conceivably and start 3d printing now uh of course the reality is they're not going to come in off the street and you know know how to use the machine and stuff like that so we're there to help them um get everything set up and make sure you know, the file is going to work and you know kind of walk through the paces and stuff like that but yeah um you can make uh, appointments or reservations to come and use our equipment. You can do that through our website. All you need is your library card. So, uh, you know, we have the 3D printers. Um, and it's funny because usually when I talk to people, they always ask about 3D printing because it's, you know, the cool buzzword. Yeah. It's all 3D printing. It's all the rage. It is. It's, it's the thing. And uh, we certainly have them and they get used and stuff like that. But 
Um, really our most popular uh, pieces of equipment we have, we have a laser cutter and engraver. So you can use that to like etch on wood or cut different uh, types of material, wood and plastics and etch on glass and do a lot of really cool stuff with that. Wow. So that that's our most popular piece of equipment. Um, we have large format vinyl printers, so you can print like signs and banners and stickers, and static clings and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So, wow. Yeah, mm. it's it's not what you would think of as a library. Yeah, why don't we use like this to print? And <laughs> yeah, it's some other stuff like that. It, it just... absolutely is. I mean, um, you know, and as a library, we're uh, you know we're a nonprofit. We're not in it to make money, we're basically selling you the materials and stuff at cost. So, you know, I, I, it blows people away all the time. They come and they print a banner or a sign or something like that. And they say, oh, we went to, you know, whatever sign place. And they said, this is going to be $75. And we're like, yeah, uh, we're charging you $10. Wow. It's basically the way it works. <laughs> we need to get down there. <laughs> I, like, I know, right? I know you guys are going to come visit now as soon as I say that. I got which is great. to do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> basically we, uh, you know. Get your library card right there. There it is. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so if you print a sign or a banner, uh, we charge you, it's $2 per foot. So if you make like a five foot long banner, yeah. it's 10 bucks. Oh, so at least. I need a new banner for the, for <laughs> the booth. 10's a good price. <laughs> I could just run down to the, instead of bothering Ricky or somebody, I guess yeah. run down there. 100%. And, and, have them send me the file. And, and that's and that's the biggest thing is, you know, I, I usually tell people is, you know, you're the maker. We're the space. We don't design the file for you. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if you go to different places, you know, they're going to charge you to do all the design work well. But if you have that file together already and you come in and we load it into the computer and there we go. Wow. So, that is handy. Well, the technology of printing t-shirts, maybe we should do that. Just come <laughs> into our store. Yeah, the next, yeah. Bring your, I don't know, email us if you'd like that, people. Maybe you can come in and print your own shirts. You, you know what's hilarious <laughs> is uh, the number one request that we get for something that we don't have is a t-shirt printer. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Mm. we get that question at least once a day, probably. Really? Do you have like an on-demand like, T-shirt press or printer? We do. Yeah, we, do. <laughs> like, we know send some people who do. Yeah. Yeah. Send them so. this way. <laughs> yeah, we've we've sent some people over uh, to you guys before. So. so, I remember when the library first started getting computers. That's how old. It's probably like pre. Like we moved here in '93. And uh, yeah, and there were like one or two per branch. Right, you'd have to wait, and absolutely. And now there seems there's just tons of them. And I remember you couldn't get on the internet um, for a while. <laughs> right, you, it was just an in-house system. Yep. And then you could get on the internet, but only on certain terminals. Yep. And now you could just you know. Yeah, I, I remember those days too. You know, as a, as a kid in you know uh, high school or even like you know sixth, seventh, eighth grade or whatever, going to the library and you know getting on one of those cool computers that you know you could only access what was in the library or whatever. Yeah. Know, magazine articles or something like that, which was still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But little did we Maybe. know where that was going to lead, you know, years later of, you know, having so many computers and everything online. And So I was telling you a story before we started uh, the actual interview that, and I was, I brought this up already, but I have the, the mobile app. Yes. And I was in the Anderson branch one day and I'm there scanning my big stack of stuff. And one of the Worker says, "Oh, someone's finally using that." And I'm like, what? "Someone's finally everybody used this. This is the greatest thing ever." And they're like, "No, we hardly ever see anybody use it." Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, I honestly see very few people using it. I don't uh, know. Maybe it's a lack of promotion on our end, or you know, maybe we need to have signs, you know, every bookshelf saying, "Hey, by the way, we have a, an app you can download, and it's free, and you can check out your books, and you can do this and that." I'm not even sure how I found this actually because. Um, <laughs> I was a big user on, you know, the desktop laptop. Sure. And then through that, I found Freegal, which mm -hmm. we'll also get to in a minute. But, Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, but I, 
maybe I saw a sign or something. And once I had the thing, I'm like, your library card's on here. You can oh, yeah. look for books on my daughter again out there. She was looking for a textbook mm-hmm. and open up the app, look for it. Oh, yeah. Anderson has it. Boom. And you can say yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it, it's actually funny. Years ago, um, this was probably around 2009, 2010, something like that. I was on our uh, mobile app committee that we had at the time to decide, you know, what platform we're going to go with and stuff like that. And it was a really interesting conversation because at that time, uh, again, just to give you perspective, I had a BlackBerry at that point. Um, and I think in the middle of that committee, you know, going on for a couple of months is I got my first Android device. Mm-hmm. I think everybody else on the committee had an iPhone except one other person. So everything was like iPhone, this iPhone, iPhone, uh, you know, there, there are other, you know, types of phones out there besides iPhones. So, uh, it's scary though. It, it is, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, at that time, you know, that was just as, you know, things like that were starting to come along apps and, you know, for individual places and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, having that physical plastic library card, I mean, yeah. it, it's great to have it. Don't get me wrong, but it, you know, have it on your phone. You don't need to carry that piece of plastic in your wallet. Exactly. So. <laughs> shows you how stubborn people are changing, changing their behaviors. You know, I mean, it's, I think about like Kings Island or something like that. Like, you know, my wife and I, we have passes our kids and stuff like that. And we're going out there and like, you know, you can just have their app. You don't have to have the piece of plastic or whatever to scan them in when we go in there. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would you have four cards in your wallet? Exactly. Yeah. And then not only that, but like I said, you can, you can access the whole library oh, yeah. from it. So if you need yeah. to find a book, boom. Absolutely. There. So we, again, get back to the conversation we made with our friend E. Charlton Trujillo, the filmmaker. We mm-hmm. remember we discussed how we have one of the largest library systems in the country, actually. We do. And I can't remember what the breakdown was. There was it's, there's circulation and there's volume, and I think it's one of them were way up there, and the other one were still in the top ten. Yeah, it, it's it's really amazing that, you know, virtually any way, measurable way that you look at libraries, um, the public libraries in St. Hamilton County is, you know, top ten, you know, top five, quite honestly, in a lot of areas. Yeah. You know, circulation, visits, um, you know, overall volumes held and stuff like that. Um, I know in 2018 we uh, we circulated just under 20 million items, and I mean that's you know books, magazines, DVDs, all that stuff. Um, wow. You know, there's there's some crazy statistics. Uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that Cincinnati, of all places, would be such a hotbed for you know having a great library system, but uh, really the state of Ohio in general has you know Columbus and Cleveland both are you know yeah. uh, typically ranked pretty highly as well. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but we're usually a little bit ahead of them. <laughs> uh, so you know, for what we can't brag about with our sports teams, we can brag about with our library, I guess, right now. So yeah, go library. <laughs> yeah. I heart my public library. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the twenty or Cleveland and since I've had twenty third, twenty fourth largest cities, but have like top five libraries, right? And, and, and it's a bunch of nerds, right? <laughs> and, and it's it's <laughs> funny because actually, you know, uh, this was. Gosh, maybe uh, five or six years ago, I think we were named uh, one of America's most literate cities. So, really, you know, again, you wouldn't necessarily road signs. (laughs) (laughs) We don't use our turn signals too often, and stop signs don't mean a whole lot. But I think everybody remembers that iconic photo of the guy climbing stacks and stacks (laughs) of. Oh yeah, that's stacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that real? Is that really how it used to be done? Then, like, like if someone wanted you, you whatever know, volume from this Britannica <laughs> from this year, that this poor guy had to climb that ladder and like that, risk his life to. Yeah, that's absolutely how it is. It's funny because I mean, you see that uh, if you're part of maybe some of the old uh, groups on Facebook, like you know, old photos of Cincinnati and things like that. That, yeah. that photo gets brought up. Yeah, yeah, every, yeah. once a month at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
and you know people 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 get really sad like oh what a beautiful library it's such a shame that it was torn down and you know it was a beautiful library it was just not a very functional library i mean you know it you're right at that point you know somebody's climbing up you know five stories on a ladder to grab a book you know that was fine in the 1930s <laughs> yeah. In, in 2019, that's not a good idea to have somebody doing stuff like that. Um, so when did it go out? Or when? So that building um, actually uh, closed, uh, I believe, in 1955. Was ah. So we moved down the street a little bit further um, to where our, our building is currently located at. So that, the old main library... Um, Close in, I believe it was 55. So Is that building long gone, or did they restore it into something else? Or is I'm, that like a... It's not like a cool bar with it's, like it's, it's not, it's fake not, books. No, yeah. it's it's not a cool bar. It's not an arcade or anything like that. Um, I'm pretty sure the actual physical building is no longer there. Yeah. So the main, uh, new main library was built when? So it's actually, uh, the building itself is three different buildings, if you want to be technical about it. So um, the area that is uh, on the corner of Vine Street and 8th Street, um, that building was built, uh, opened in 55. So, okay. you know, that's... Was the original part of it? Looks very modern um, for '55. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the architects did a pretty good job on that. Um, we mm. expanded the rest of the block from Vine down to Ninth uh, Street uh, in 1982. So okay. that whole part of the building was open at that point. And then 1997, we went across the street over there to uh, to Ninth Street. So that that part I remember. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't work there at that point, but I remember you know. Uh, I remember coming downtown with my mom, and there was a parking garage there. And she said, "Oh, I'm get rid of this parking garage. You're going to expand the library. Like, cool." <laughs> so yeah, that 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 part actually opened in 1997. So technically three different buildings, but I think the architects did do a pretty good job of. I mean, if you're inside, you can tell some of the newer areas. But so I know this isn't your department exactly, but I do know that a, a lot of the library's books that it has available for circulation aren't actually in circulation. That's true. So um, what a lot of people don't realize, and this, you know, this is a, a little bit more evident at the main library um, in the uh, what we call the 1982 building. If you look up, you see uh, kind of these glassed-in floors that are yes. not accessible yep. to, the, uh, to the public, but you just see rows and rows of books. That was actually my first job when I worked at the library downtown. So I, I worked as a shelver, which, you know, you work in those areas. And when somebody says, hey, I need this book, I was the guy who ran and got that book for you. So... It's, it's really wild uh, to be up in there because it's maybe not the best place if you're a little claustrophobic because it's nothing but just rows and rows and rows of books. The ceilings are pretty low. Um, it's pretty easy to be disoriented in there because there's windows along one side and there's no windows anywhere else. Um, it's, it's a really neat experience to be in that area, though. I mean, if you, know, if you love books and stuff like that and you love you know, seeing you know older books and maybe some weird obscure stuff. I, you know, I loved it because every time I was up there, you know, I was putting stuff away or grabbing stuff. I was like, Oh, what is this? Oh my gosh, I got to read this book. And there's always something new. I'll tell you a really quick story. One of my, my favorite stories to tell about working in the closed stack area there. Um, I was working, this was many years ago. I want to say like on a Wednesday night and it was pretty slow and I was shelving some books in what would be the occult section. And there was a book about demonology and I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I've always been like ghost stories and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like flipping through it or whatever. All of a sudden the lights go out. And this is probably in the winter time, I'm guessing, because, I mean, the lights went out and there was no natural light coming in at all. And I got this book in my hands about, you know, demons and possession. And I'm like, 
I don't remember if our haunted Cincinnati guy said if the library was haunted. Well, I remember, well, the first scene of Ghostbusters takes place in a library. It does, true. So yeah. figuring that, uh, you know, that was based on fact, then ours has to, <laughs> ours has to be haunted. You, you know what's funny is I have seen uh, a couple stories about the library being haunted as far as, like, having a reputation amongst staff or anything like that. I've never heard a story of a ghost or anything like that, honestly. Okay. Hmm. So. Huh. So what happened with your occult book? Did, did it catch on fire and it, it give you the light it, to get out of there? About 30 seconds later, the uh, you know, the emergency <clears throat> power kicked on. And I was like, okay, we're just going to put that back on the shelf. And I'm going to go back over here where there's, you know, some wow. light. But yeah, it kind of freaked me out there for a second. I'm was not, that in like the nonfiction section? Oh, yeah. Or was that yeah, in it's, sci-fi? It's, Maybe it's, it didn't it's, like its categorization. <laughs> it, it's considered nonfiction. And, you know, that, that's, you know, one thing that I find really interesting is a lot of the, you know, the occult books and, you know, ghosts and things like that they're classified as nonfiction. so hmm. yeah take that for what you will that's <laughs> awesome believe it or not <laughs> another thing i didn't realize until a couple years ago and i went back to look check out a book i checked out before is the library gets rid of books yeah not just duplicates it yeah and it it that's that's a really good point too because um you know sometimes uh Typically, what we try to do with our books is we uh, is send them to the friends of the library, so they get sold at one of the friend sales that we have and stuff like that. And you know, uh, we order you know a million James Patterson books or whatever, whatever hot authors and stuff like that. Um, so after that cycle of you know everybody reads that book, we have a lot of extra copies sometimes. And sometimes it is um, just books like you said that you know haven't been checked out in years and years and years. Uh, I can't speak necessarily to what they do now, but we used to have, uh, you know, lists where we would go through periodically and, you know, this book hasn't circulated in five years, so we're going to move it from the floor to maybe the storage area. And then once it hits like 10 years of not being checked out, Mm. maybe we've got to make a decision, you know, do we keep this book or not? Because ultimately there is, you know, only so much storage. Yeah. And, you know, we'd love to keep every book in the world, um, but, you know, sometimes if it's, I mean, it's like anything else, if it's not moving off the shelf, at some point you have to think you know is it worthwhile to continue to keep this do we need to move on from this can we give it to somebody else can we sell it you know are there any types of books that uh like themes that you know they get checked out and they have a high rate of not being returned yeah that's (laughs) like 50 shades gray that's not coming back or you don't want it you don't want it to come (laughs) back you may not necessarily want 50 shades gray (laughs) so no i when i when i worked with uh books more regularly i will say the books that were stolen the most often um Believe it or not, the Bible was close to the top of the list. Yeah. Which huh. kind of always blows my mind because on a couple levels, number one, of course, you know, thou shalt not steal. And then, you know, you steal the Bible from the library. That's, that's pretty bad. But also, you know, you can get a Bible just about anywhere for free. Like if you, you know, walk into a church and say, hey, I want a Bible, they're probably going to get you a Bible in your hands for free somehow. So why people stole Bibles, I don't know. We did see a lot of the occult books go missing, which I always thought was interesting, you know, ghost stories and stuff like that. Anything to do with... Uh, there was a book called Love Spells that uh, we just could not keep on the shelves. It was always, it would get checked out one time, we'd never see it again. Uh, study guides or another thing, like SAT study guides, GED study guides, like people steal those. I, I, I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> but I, I said, you know, somewhere somebody's using, you know, a whole bunch of like GED books because they're like, you know, this thick. And, you know, the SAT study guides are pretty big books. They're just, you know, propping up the low end of the couch somewhere or something. I don't know. Wow, it's so weird. Wow. Yeah, I, it, it's it is strange, like the stuff that you know people would take. You know, there's certainly some things like in you know, the Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, or even like the new James Patterson. Like, oh, I get it, you know, you're J- James Patterson, or whatever you want to have that book, but 
Yeah, some of the things that get rare, I guess, maybe. I mean, right, right. That's yeah, that's a strange one, huh? What's the biggest uh, library fine you've ever oh, seen? Oh gosh, <laughs> I've seen some pretty good sized fines in the past. Um, it's funny, even though I work there, you know, I have fines all the time because I come to the building every single day. I don't remember bringing my book back with me every single day, so I'm constantly, you know, paying. You know, a dollar, five dollars, whatever. Can't um, get those comped. Come on. Uh, they, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Um, but <laughs> but as far as biggest fines, I did see a fine one time that was about seven thousand dollars. Whoa! Wow. And you know, the guy came up and I think he just needed to get on the computer or something like that. And he's like, I don't remember my library card number, or whatever. I looked it up, and you know, it. You can't check out any books with a fine that high, but you can still, you know get on the computer and you know use library and other ways and stuff like that but i was just thinking like how in the world seven thousand wow. dollars that is it was he chipping away at that i don't I, like... I, I don't think so um i did not investigate any further to see like if it was i mean i would assume in a situation like that he probably checked out like 40 dvds or something like that at once and never returned any of them and just stacked those them. will add up yeah, yeah i mean the, the the dvds do add up pretty yeah, quickly so do. i mean if it's a book you know unless he checked out again 50 of them Jeez. But if you check out, like, you know, season three of CSI, every DVD of that, you know, that's, that could be a good chunk of money pretty quickly, so. <laughs> and at 10 bucks, you can't take anything out anymore. Yeah. And, 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 all at once. And yeah, then, and that's just is. I mean, you know, and we do yeah. see that sometimes where, you know, somebody gets their card and they go check out some stuff and that's it. The last two percent of People uh, are crazy. It, you know, we don't... <laughs> It, it's funny because sometimes you hear you know, jokes about, you know, the police are going to come after me for my library fines. You know, we, we don't go that far, but, uh, you know, people do get put into collections and stuff like that over library fines, uh-huh. which is I was going to say, like, if I wanted to buy you a know? house, would that, like, would that stop because, oh, well, you got to pay your library fines yeah. first? Or is there, pay this, you is know, there any jail time to, I can do or community I service? I don't <laughs> think there's any jail time involved in it now, but maybe affect your credit score a little bit. <laughs> so speaking of movies... Uh, at least one movie's been filmed in the library. Yes. I mean, has there been more? Has it been a location for other things? Uh, so, you know, of course, The Public was filmed there. Um, really cool movie. I was kind of sad they cut my scene. But, uh, oh, you were <laughs> I was, I, it was totally like a fluky thing. We had you build as the guy from the library. I know, right? The public movie. <laughs> so they were shooting a scene actually in our computer lab area. Um, and they had, you know, somebody sitting there at the desk and basically, uh, you know, a patron walks up, hands the person at the desk a piece of paper. The person behind the desk nods, and then, you know, that was it. That was the scene. So, but they were actually filming something over here. This was just kind of background noise type of thing. So I was there for about two hours one day, like just redoing that scene over and over and over again. They actually started filming a little bit before we closed, and they're like, oh, we should be done, you know, at six o'clock. And this was at like five fifteen or so, and I didn't get out of there until about seven fifteen. Wow! And then they cut my scene. Oh, brutal! I was, I, I was you know, man. watching. You know, I watched it in the theaters. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> well, if you didn't know until you saw it. Yeah, I didn't know until uh, I saw it, and then I, I actually bought the, uh, the movie from uh, Amazon as well on digital. So I was like, let me go frame by frame just in case. Just to make yeah. Sure yeah. Back. I and and, and, and I, I think there is like a scene. It's just like a really quick cut scene that they filmed at that time, but you can't see me at all. Um, I was disappointed. So what actors were in that scene? Did you get a little Alec Baldwin? Or? <laughs> I did not get Alec Baldwin. No. Um, was Emilio, he, Emilio was he in it or was, yeah, he was just yeah. directed? No, he's uh, in it. Emilio was, was in the area. In that I need scene. to see that. Um, he was a really, really cool guy, like super down to earth. Like uh, He came in you know, several times to talk to us and stuff like that. Actually, one day I was talking to uh, his wife. I didn't realize it at the time. 
uh, she's like, you know, you know, well, she's there with the kids and stuff like that. And they were in our maker space and they were making some buttons actually. And she's talking blah, 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 blah. And I was like, and then Emilio, I'm like, oh, and like three minutes later, I turn around, there's Emilio Estevez like right there. I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> clack, clack. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Try not to make any Mighty Ducks comments or anything like that, but. He was a really cool guy. They're like super, like down to earth, really nice. Like I got yeah. him a T-shirt while he was here. What were we thinking? Yeah, he lives here, I think. He's, Does he? I'm sure. Uh, I, I think at least he is a part-time know, a part-time resident okay. here. Yeah. So I didn't know that. But yeah, he's you know very unassuming, very almost uh, shy. I would say, which you would yeah. not expect. So. Uh, but that movie brings up a lot of issues, though. As far as uh, I mean, some people do view libraries as just places where homeless people hang out. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it, it's an interesting way of looking at it because I think that that can be uh, taken a couple different ways. You know, certainly some people are uh, very negative of that idea that, you know, the library is just filled up with homeless people. But to me, the reality of what a public library is, is a place where one of the few places really left in the world where everybody is welcome. Um, you know, you don't have to come in and buy something. You don't have to come in and, you know read a book or, or whatever, you know, it's a place just to kind of exist. So yeah, homeless people come into the library, you know, and of course we have, you know, standards and rules and stuff like that. And, you know, there's things that you can't do obviously. Um, but you know, it's, it's a place where, uh, you know, anybody can come in, you know, get some shelter from the elements and stuff like that, whether it be too hot, too cold, whatever. We see a lot of, especially in the tech center where uh, the computer lab area, we have a lot of homeless people who come in and, you know, they, they use the computers, that's their, you know, connection to family and stuff like that a lot of times. Uh, you know, maybe they're applying for jobs or, you know, everything is online now. So if they have, you know, government benefits that they have to take care of and stuff like that, you know, they can't walk into you know, anywhere else and get access to a computer and be able to apply for a job or to, you know, check on their, you know, caseworker, you know, information, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think we're a really cool, uh, you know, service that we offer is being open to everybody. One of my favorite little stories I like to tell people about people was years ago um, we had a day in uh, the tech center where Charlie Lucan came in you know, former mayor, former congressman TV anchor, you know, pretty famous dude in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. to say the least came in and used the computer, so he's sitting there on the computer right next to a homeless guy and I really wish looking back in a way I would have taken a picture of it or something like that because to me it was like, this is what the library is it's like equal footing for everybody, this is this guy who's, you know, well known, well educated famous, whatever you want to say, probably pretty financially set, working right next to a guy who probably has nothing at all to his name in the world, but they're coexisting there together. And, you know, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> there was, there was, there, there was service for both. Right. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was a great, like, kind of like microcosm, you know, just a little snippet of like, Hey, this is, you know, this is kind of what we are right here. This is, it, we're for everybody, you know? So, so how long was the uh, library like being used by the movie people? I uh, gosh, they were there. I'm trying to think of exact dates, but and it was probably, you know, six-ish months to eight oh, months. I realized. Like. Yeah, they're, oh, I realize. They're there for quite a while. Um, they did a lot of the filming uh, after hours yeah. when were closed and stuff like that, obviously, although they did do some filming uh, during open hours. Uh, if you've seen the movie, a lot of it is kind of set, like, you know, later at night or overnight type of thing. So um, what was really cool, too, is they did, uh, you know, they had the opportunity for a lot of staff members to be extras. So there are several staff members who you'll see in the movie, so couple guys I work with, you know, got there three seconds on, on T or on the movie. And, you know, here I am still mad about my scene being cut. 
I also didn't do what they did. I just happened to be there when they were filming, and these guys were coming in, like, you know, on their off time and stuff like oh. that and staying there for, you know, eight hours filming scenes. So, movie business is not for me. I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's tough. So, what's a typical day like for you on the technology side? Because I think most people are probably used to what a, 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 a I guess you would call a typical library worker does. Yep. But show up in books, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, I like to say that, you know, I, I'm a very non-traditional library employee, uh, and I serve a lot of very non-traditional patrons uh, of the library. So, in the tech center, in the computer lab area, uh, a lot of my day is helping people with whatever technology questions they might have. They might come in and, like I said, they're applying for a job, or they need to apply for, you know, whatever government benefits and stuff like that. Or they need to, you know, print out uh, their W-2s or, you know, all these things that sometimes we kind of take for granted that we have access to. Um, you know, either on our phone or computer or whatever. So there's a lot of that. Uh, you know, uh, we also, uh, I like to say we're kind of the uh, free tech support of downtown Cincinnati. So we have a lot of people bring in their cell phone and they say, hey, I just bought this over at the Cricket Wireless or whatever. And, you know, they told me to come here so you guys can help me set up my phone. <laughs> and so we do a lot of things like that where, you know, we're like, all right, I'll you know, get you set up with an email account so you can, you know, get your Android device going here or... Uh, different things like that. So um, basically anything to do with technology, uh, you know, it, people have questions with and stuff like that, we'll at least try to help you. Um, certainly things like downloading ebooks. You mentioned Freegal a little bit earlier, um, you know, working with some of the libraries, e-branch services and stuff like that. We do a lot of that type of work as well. And then in the makerspace, it's, you know, very different uh, in a lot of ways, but similar in that, you know, we're helping people on a computer or on a device or whatever, but it's, you know, attached to a 3D printer or attached to a laser cutter or, you know, instead of helping somebody with a resume, we're helping somebody with Photoshop or Illustrator or making a movie or recording a podcast or whatever it might be. So lots of variety. That's awesome. So I can just show up and I don't really have to know anything, just someone. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what, that's what we do. That's what, you know, myself and, and, and the rest of the staff and, and the area or the library in general do, you know, we're there to help you. So when you come in and I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some things where I'm not going to be able to help you with. Um, there's some wild questions that I get sometimes. Somebody asked me one time, he's working in a Adobe Premiere, working on a video. And he's like, I got a really simple video question for you, video <laughs> editing question. I'm like, okay. And I've, I've done a little bit of video <laughs> editing in the past. So I, I know a little bit, I'm not, you know, not an expert by any stretch. So he's like, you know, so I, I had this video and there's somebody like, you know, it was a waterfall into like a stream and there was somebody running across the water. He's like, I want to change the color of the water as it's moving through here to be different colors, like purple here and green here and blue there. I'm like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> let so me call somebody in Hollywood here because <laughs> I have no clue how to change just, you know, moving water yeah. of all things i mean frame by frame right that's why i told that's like a frame by frame <laughs> you know you may want to at least make it all green instead of different colors and yeah. stuff like that because that's going to be that's when you call your buddy a light up and say <laughs> right. hey this is taylor swift over here needs these graphics done. <laughs> now as you alluded to uh there's what is also called the virtual library yep yeah and uh, when did all that start because my first exposure to it uh i think was probably Freegal. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not sure. If I must have stumbled onto that by accident. But uh, Freegal's fantastic. You want to explain a little bit to the folks what Freegal is and who yeah. and all those? Yeah, Freegal is uh, a really cool service. So you can download uh, 
MP3 songs or even videos. Um, you get seven a week. I believe that's what it is now. Yep, uh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, again, <laughs> basically all you need is your library card and your PIN number. You go on there and you say, hey, I want to download. Maybe it is the new Taylor Swift or whatever. And I, 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 I do like to preface it by saying, you know, not every song in the world is on Freevil. Yes. Um, you will often see, you know, maybe some of the newest stuff is not out there, that, you know. Uh, well, the, the, two major, to own? the two major labels in the world, Sony and BMG, are partnered with it. Yes. Warner Brothers is not, Universal is not, so like the yeah. 1975 aren't on there because they're on Universal. Right. Um, uh, but who's someone who is on there that I just downloaded the other day? I can't Oh, the, uh, you can get uh, Little Nuss, Old Town Road. Yes. That's on, that's <laughs> it on is. Sony. It is. They're on Sony, those two. I don't need to hear that song ever again <laughs> in my can, life. And you can download <laughs> right. it. It's yours to keep and you get seven. Of, and the, I, I did an article about put them. Put it in for, my pocket and yeah, Old yeah, Town Road everywhere Absolutely. I go. I did an article about them for a place I used to work years ago, uh, you know, about free stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I called the Freegal people and I said, uh, well, the, the artist gets a royalty for this, right? And the guy that runs it says, well, if that's in their contract, it sounded a little murky to me. <laughs> as far as I know, hmm. the uh, the artist does still get a royalty from that to the point, I think like Elvis Costello, even though he's on, his, all of his old music is on CBS, his stuff is not available. He, some artists will go on there and say, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. That, that is true. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of some individuals off the top of my head that I've seen this happen to where, you know, uh, uh, five, uh, five years ago, they were on there. Yeah, they're no longer gone. On. Yeah. So, so big freegal lesson I always tell people: if you see it on there, download it. <laughs> yes, if you see it, download you it. You might and, not have a chance. And uh, double That's check hilarious. to make sure it's not like a. Uh, it's like to say a tribute band version. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. You, you see that quite a bit too. Or you know? re-record. Or re-record. Uh, yeah, but so. those will be tagged usually. You can, yeah, and, you and can usually tell. Yes. I, I, you know, like with most things, if people uh, take a couple extra seconds and read, yeah, it's on their screen. Yeah, yeah. No worries, but uh, I do see that sometimes people are like, I, I want to download this Leonard Skinner, and you know, but it's, you know. And, you can and, and the style of Leonard Skinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It right. sounds like Napster. <laughs> it all, all fun until Mars from, or Lars from Metallica <laughs> yeah, yeah. figures it out. Right. Yeah, yeah. and you can stream wow. anything in their library yes, as you, long as you want. Yeah. Yep. So, like yep. A, yeah, I was going to say it's the streaming aspect is something I think gets overlooked a little bit, but honestly, you know, uh, again, six, seven, eight years ago, downloading MP3s was a lot bigger than what it is now, and everybody's streaming everything, so. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again... Oh, that was my whole college, was just, you know, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just going to sit in and make CDs and download, just just (laughs) bootleg whatever music I could even think of. It's it's funny you mentioned Napster was just like, (laughs) man, that was the best. I've gotten stuff out of Freegal that not only can you no longer download, it's not in Spotify, people. It's not in iTunes. It's just gone. Yep. So that's the... Huh. Yeah. Well, you need to start your your own little Freegal finds. Freegal vault. I, I, I do on I my podcast. Of... I tell people that I've you know, found stuff all that the internet's a wonderful place. You just keep digging. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about Freegal, and that's a great service and everything like that. But there's a lot of other things we have. You know, there's uh, Libby and Overdrive, you know, from e-books and audiobooks and stuff like that. Um, you mentioned Hoopla for music and movies and stuff like that. Um, we have a lot of really cool services out there. Um, everybody keeps asking, when is the library going to hook up with Netflix? I don't yeah. know how that would happen. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's a different oh, it's, it's, That's it my is. next question. How, do you, how does the library hook up with Free? Because the guy started Freegal. And he started, did, did they, I, you may not even know this, but did they come to the library? Did the library kind of start soliciting, hey, we want to expand the virtual library of what's out there? Yeah, I mean, typically the way that works is, you know, there'll be somebody out there and they'll, you know, start up this business or whatever. And obviously we were not the first library to use Freewind. I know that you know, there were some other libraries before us using it for sure. But uh, yeah, however many years ago it's been now that we 
hooked up with Freegal. It's like, hey, we're going to start offering this new service. And I think we initially started with, we get five songs a week, and then we expanded to seven because it was so popular. But yeah, it, it's, there are, you know, just like in any industry, there are companies out there who specifically come up with, you know, Overdrive or Freegal or whatever for libraries to be able to access this content. Oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, we go through them just like any other vendor and pay them however much money for, uh, sometimes it's, you know, on a yearly basis, it's, you know, X amount of money or for every download, it's X amount of money. So uh-huh. is it all for, I mean, so, so someone's making something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it is it data mining? Is it is it so they know that PF listens to the cars in 1975, so they can give him some sweet ads on his phone? They know what he's up to. I just think I never thought of that. I mean, ha- there has to be something. You know, that's, and that's what I guys go to anything is data. Oh, yeah. so I'll give him my data, and it's cool. You know, it, it's it's funny that you mention that because the two things I'll say on that topic. Number one, I assume you know a lot of people get you know. Uh, a little freaked out by things like, you know, Alexa and, you know, the Google Assistant, stuff like that. I'm like, I got an Alexa at my house and, you know, two or three rooms now. I don't care. You know, if I, I already assumed that yeah. everything that I'm saying and doing is being, you know, data mined somewhere. And, oh, no, send me an ad for something <laughs> I might want. Right, exactly. I didn't know and, existed. And, and the reality of it is, you know, <laughs> people get a little paranoid about that. And I understand it. But uh, at the same time, typically what they're doing is they want to sell you, you know, they see that you search for vacations to Florida. It's like, they want to be the one to sell you that vacation of Florida. So, or Hawaii or, you know, whatever uh, it is. I mean, it's annoying a little, you know, in your business type of thing. Sure. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, the worst thing, evil intentions and stuff like that. Now, all that said, let me backtrack on that. All that said, um, one thing a lot of people don't realize about libraries, we are crazy about privacy. Like, that's what I was going to ask. Does yeah. a library sell my data? Absolutely not. I can promise you we don't sell anybody's data. We, like, it's uh, to the point sometimes of near absurdity how much we take privacy uh, seriously. Uh, you know, we don't keep records of, you know, books that you checked out and stuff like that. So if you were to come back and say, hey, I checked out this book, you know, five years ago. Can you tell me what it was? I forget the title. Like, oh. You know. And it, it almost to our detriment. Yeah, honestly, I was going to say. You know? <laughs> Especially, again, we're talking you guys about... You got to jump on the train. You know, in the year 2019, you know, data mining and customizing <clears> things <throat> and stuff like that, uh, you know, we we don't keep data like that. Um, you know, it, one thing that we run into a lot is when people use our computers, they're like, you know, oh, I forgot to log out of my email. Somebody's going to hack into it. So we have software, you know, installed on our computers where the second that you log off, everything that you did, it reboots that computer to... It's beginning state. So if you were on your email, you're logged out. If you downloaded a file, it erases it. Hmm. Um, the, oh, next, wow. the next person sits down is not going to be able to get to any of that stuff, uh, which is a good thing. Um, it's the only time it's a bad thing is when somebody says, "Hey, I was in here yesterday. I was on this computer and I saved my resume to it." Whoops. Yeah, it's gone, yeah. <laughs> and I cannot get it back, which is is what you want. Trust me. But yeah. um, you know, it, especially my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it does. It, it does come into that. You know, we, we take your privacy very very seriously and. You know, I guess almost quite honestly to our detriment in some ways because it is 2019. And I think a lot of people kind of assume at this point, like you said, that every app that you download or everything that you do is being quantified and, you know, the whatever put into some uh, metadata, you know, cycle out there to spit back something for you. So. And there have been big legal issues over the years. Oh, absolutely. Huge legal issues. You know, yeah. Facebook stealing you know, your information that but you don't know about. Not only that, but people but trying to subpoena libraries oh, yeah. to get the information. But what you're saying is even if you had it, yeah. you, don't, you don't have it. Right. <laughs> we, 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 can't literally, tell you. we literally don't have it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's something that we take very, very seriously. Um, is that a Cincinnati thing or is that all libraries have this agreement? Yeah, it's kind of a... There's got to be some rogue library. <laughs> well, I know some libraries have been taken to court and they, you know, the prosecutors have asked them, we need these records and yep. the library refuses to turn them over. They have them, they refuse to turn them over. Really? Yeah. yeah. I like if I get a book about how to poison my neighbor's cat or something <laughs> then they might knock yourself out <laughs> yeah and, and, and that is the weird thing about you know working in the library in that sense is that you know we don't have any you know books about you know poisoning your neighbor's cat that I know of <laughs> but you know if somebody came up and checked out that book it's like well maybe they're just doing a research project and you know we yeah. kind of give them the benefit doesn't of the doubt on that guilty. But, right doesn't you know we're not going to call the FBI on you or anything like that um yeah, it's it, it's funny sometimes. Even you know, somebody will walk in and they'll say, "Hey, you know, I think I have a library card, but I don't remember. Can you look me up?" And you know, you go to look them up, and maybe they get a little like you know, they're, they're you know, putting my birthday or my last name into some crazy government database. And, you know, <laughs> like no, we're dude. I can't see any of that stuff. I can't. I mean, we don't even ask for your social security number. So wow, you know, I I have access to your name and your. Uh, birth date and your address and your phone number. That's about it. So, yeah, I can't even see your PIN number. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's another thing. And people come like, hey, what's what's the PIN number on my library card? Like, I can't see it. It's actually encrypted. So, when somebody says that they're not lying, it's absolutely true. Like we, I cannot see. It. I can reset it for you, but I can't see what it used to be. Oh. So, so what's the uh, what's the future of libraries? Are you uh, optimistic, or is it a tough time for the librarian right now? Well, you know, it, it, that's a good question because a lot of times you hear things about, you know, libraries are, you know, obsolete and who uses library more? You know, there's Google and everything is online and blah, blah, blah. Two things I'll say about that. I think uh, as a system right now, we're embarking on a very large uh, facilities master plan project where, you know, basically we're looking at all of our locations across Hamilton County and stuff like that and, you know, what needs to be upgraded, changed, and improved in every single location because, we have a lot of buildings, um, you know, that are over 100 years old at this point. Um, some of them have had very few renovations, if any renovations, in the past 100 years. So bringing the buildings up to what we're calling the 21st century or the next generation library, I think is really, really important. Because what a library has been traditionally is probably not going to be where libraries are in 50 years. Um, nobody knows for sure, of course. Uh, you know things change all the time. I often tell the story. I was in a, a session a few years ago where they asked that question, where do you see yourself in five years? And everybody goes around the room and says, oh, I want to be doing this and this and that, blah, blah, blah. When they got to me, I was like, I think that's kind of an unfair question. And I hate to be that guy in that situation because <laughs> I'm usually not that guy. But, and I went back and I said, you know, hey, if you would have talked to me in 2004 and said, where do you see yourself in five years? At that point, I was working at the library. I was working in the education and religion department at the main library. There was no such thing as a tech center or computer lab or anything like that. Well, three years later, there was, and that's where I was at. And if you would ask me in 2013, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? I wouldn't have said, oh, working with laser cutters and 3D printers and having a photography studio. You know, that wasn't even like on the radar of things at that point. So I think, you know, creating spaces that are flexible is certainly a big thing. Books are always going to be the backbone of the library. I think, I mean, you know, we might have less of them in some cases, um, you know, or space for more things besides just books. But I think books are always going to be the backbone of libraries. But, you know, computers, technology, um, you know, 
the makerspace type stuff, having community meeting spaces. Uh, we just did a huge, over the last several months over the summer here, we did a community, li- community listening sessions at every location and basically getting feedback from the community. What do you want your library to be uh, moving forward? Because, you know, now is the time. We're, we're renovating stuff. We want to, you know, make it that next generation library. Um, so one of the big things a lot of people were saying is you know, having more meeting spaces, more places for the community to come in and, you know, have study rooms or have, you know, places where people can get together and, you know, have meetings and stuff like that or multi-purpose spaces, have things like that. Um, you know, technology in general is a really big thing. Accessibility and stuff like that was a really big thing. There's there's a lot of stuff out there that, uh, again, I, I, I will give a lot of credit to the library in this regard that, it would have been really, really easy for us to sit back and, you know, quite honestly, maybe five or 10 or 15 years ago, we probably would have just sat back and been like, hey, you know what? We think this is what people want and we're going to do this. And, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. Um, in this particular case, we really went out there in the community and we had, uh, I just heard the numbers this morning, actually, it was between 2,000 2,500 people attended these sessions to give this feedback. And, you know, we're actually acting on that feedback. It's not just, you know, some lip service like, oh yeah, we're gonna listen to the community and go do whatever we want anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it really was like a hey, these you know and it's you know, what somebody in Hyde Park wants is very different than what somebody in Harrison wants or, you know, in Avondale or, you know, whatever other locations out there. So, you know, to really give individual communities um, what they want. That's I think that's we're talking about customizing and data mining and, you know, all that stuff. It, in some ways, it's, it's what we're doing here is that we're going after we're getting that data and we're like, this is what these folks want here. But these folks over here may want something a little different. And we got to be able to, you know, balance that and, you know, make it all be a library. But, you know, make it so everybody gets what they want out of what, what they expect a library to be. Because we still run into that quite a bit, too. There's people who grew up as libraries being places that are quiet. And, you know, if somebody, you know, coughs in the library, they're like, it's it's the end of the world. Um, it's not. That's changed. <laughs> it has changed. Absolutely. You having dances and stuff. <laughs> we, we DJs. <laughs> we, you know, actually, uh, we do uh, at the main library. There's a program with a local group, Tribe. Um, I don't know if you guys would be familiar with them, but they uh, work with uh, young adults, you know, teenagers, and stuff like that, uh, creating, you know, writing music, performing music, and stuff like that. So yeah, they actually come down there. And they have I don't want to say rap battles, but you know, they they do some hip hop and stuff like that, and right there at the library that's awesome so you know it, it is it is a different experience um you know we had a guy a couple years ago who was in our makerspace and he was very upset that um it was too loud and it was actually kind of funny he, we have a, a, a chat service through our website where we can chat with somebody live or whatever and you know, he was complaining that it was too loud and what he didn't realize was the person he was chatting with was my manager so he came over and was like in the space and it's like there's there's nothing going on it's you know the library people are talking a little bit nobody's screaming nobody's you know playing a tuba or something like that and this guy was so upset that there was noise and really what the noise was was just people you know, kind of walking back and forth and talking you're allowed to do that <laughs> it's yeah. okay but it's important to balance you know those expectations about what a library is because some people do want that quiet study area where there's absolute silence and some people want that group area where they can talk and they can collaborate and work together so how to make all that work in one space could be a challenge for sure, especially in some of our smaller locations. So. Does anyone have the title of like head librarian or librarian? Because <laughs> like you know, like in school, it was the like the librarian was like the keeper, 
You know what I mean? It, yes. it was like that's the lady who's you know cracking down on the <laughs> whispering and everything else. Is there? I don't know. Is that a is that a public uh, appointed position or does it even exist? Or uh, that's a really good question. So there is uh, the director of the library, Eva, Eva Jane Romain Coombe, the director. Uh, so that's a, I know a mouthful of things to say there, but uh, her name is Paula Bremheeker. Uh, she actually just became the uh, the director of the library last year. Um, she's worked for the library. If Paula is listening, I apologize. I don't know how many years, but she's worked there for quite a while. Um, you know, uh, so she uh, is our new director. Our old director retired after almost twenty years um, in the position. So, uh, you know, Paula is that person now. She is not the person you're ever see walk around and shushing people, though. She's uh, <laughs> very vibrant and very exciting, and you know. Uh, I just saw her this morning, and you know she'll be the first one to tell you when she's in the room. She's often the loudest one in the room, so uh, <laughs> not what you would expect from uh, your typical, you know, head librarian, director, of library type of position. So. She's got like what warts all over her face, and the little, <laughs> the little glasses just hanging off the tip of her nose. No, absolutely with not. The chain, and, and and you know what's funny is, uh, and and this is you know <laughs> true of anywhere, but. Uh, I, I often say, you know, a lot of the people that I hire in my department, you know, we're looking for people with graphic design backgrounds and folks who, you know, understand technology and stuff like that. So, you know, we have people with, you know, if believe around, visible tattoos or different colored hair or facial piercings. Whoa. I, I, I know it's pretty revolutionary. That is weird. But, you know, again, it's, you know, a, a lot of the folks you see working that front desk at the library are definitely not that, you know, 75-year-old lady with, you know, the, the red brim glasses and the cardigan over her shoulders kind of thing. So it's it's definitely a changing a changing uh, thing for libraries to go through for sure. Do you visit other libraries for business or for pleasure? Because my brother-in-law works for the zoo, mm-hmm. and he does visit other zoos. for. They'll send him to another zoo like Nashville, or if he's just out, you know, out on vacation with his family, he'll be like, we got to stop at the San Francisco Zoo. and. It's funny you mentioned that. I was actually just in Nashville a couple weekends ago, um, and I was there for a bachelor party. And one of the afternoons I was there, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for a little walk around downtown by myself. I'd never been to Nashville before. I wanted to see what was there. And as luck would have it, there was the public library. I'm like, got to go there. Now, I will say this. I uh, am not fanatical about that. Um, There's been plenty of places I've gone where I've not gone to the library. But if it happens to be convenient and I happen to have time, like I was in Seattle a couple years ago, went to that. Uh, they have a really, really cool library there. Um, San Francisco Public Library is really, really neat. Um, but yeah, I personally, I don't do a lot of that type of stuff unless I happen to be there. But that there are people who, uh, you know, travel up to Columbus or Philadelphia or wherever it might be to say, like, this library is doing this. You know, maybe we can implement this, take these ideas, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Would you steal any ideas while you were traveling? <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I do do that. I mean, I look around like, you know, how, you know, and I, I look at weird things like, you know, how's their signage here? You know, that, that's a big yeah. thing is, you know, when you walk into a space that you've never been in before, like, where do I go? How do I know where I need to get to? And, you know, we have a really huge library downtown. You walk into that building, it's intimidating, quite honestly, to a lot of people because there's, you know, there's three floors of public space and, you know, multiple buildings and wings and, you know, it, it's not necessarily the easiest place to navigate. So I look for things like signage a lot of times. I look at, uh, you know, weird things like furniture and stuff like that. Like one of the things I'm super excited about right now is, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, as we're uh, renovating and doing some different things with some of our locations, you know, a lot of the furniture that we have is the same furniture that's been there since the entire time I've worked there, probably for the last 50 years, quite honestly. It's just, you know, repurposed tables and chairs and stuff like that. And 
I often think like, wow, we could really do something cool if we had like a table that was actually functional for this particular thing, as oh, opposed yeah. to just, you know, a repurposed table, you know, that used to be a reading desk, you know, back in the fifties kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, things like that, you know, I, I, I like to look at other libraries and see how they have things set up. And I like to think, and you know, not to be, you know, overconfident or cocky about it, but I like to think that we generally have really good, um, system in place at the library. You know, we have a lot of cool stuff. We have a lot of great services, sometimes stuff that people, you know, have no clue that we have for sure. But, um, you know, the way that we can present that, the way that we can uh, share that information, uh, the way that we can make it more functional and flexible and stuff like that in our spaces. Those are the things that I notice when I go to other libraries. Um, where I went to school at Bowling Green, they have a huge, uh, they're very part of the music collection in the library, but they were so protective of it that you couldn't actually physically touch the record. Yeah. You would have to, you'd go to the booth, tell them, I'd like to hear the new Depeche Mode record. And then, <laughs> uh, we'll go sit at booth number six and put the headphones on. And yeah. That's how you would listen to stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny because um, one of the things that I hate is uh, I'm a big believer in the uh, us and we as opposed to I and me mentality. So, you know, I've had, you know, managers or coworkers over the years who, you know, it's, you know, me, 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 I, 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 mine, 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 you know, it's like, well, it's not really yours though. It's everybody's thing. So I, I really try to preach like, you know, that, you know, we do this, you know, we offer this, you know, this is not, I offer this, you know, it's, it's the library as a whole, or, you know, when it comes to books, you know, I, when I first started, I worked with some, you know, older librarians who, like you said, you know, they loved the fact that we had these books, but they didn't want anybody to touch them. <laughs> so it was like, oh, this guy wants to look at this, you know, book from 1910. I don't know. It's like, well, that's what we're here for. Let him look at it. <laughs> and I, I really think that, you know, again, it, it, as that next generation of, you know, library employees has come along, you know, we're, we're not as much, you know, those gatekeepers of, you know, you, you have to, you know, be to the certain criteria or standard to access this, you know, information. It's really is about open access for everybody and, you know, giving everybody, like I said, you know, whatever your background, your, your social status or whatever, the same treatment, the same access. So. Are, uh, are younger kids into it or are they like, like millennials? All right. When I go down there right now and see some, uh, in your space, I'm sure. I will say absolutely. And I will say, um, you know, a couple years ago, the library really was looking hard at that, you know, 20 to 35 year old demographic that doesn't use the library traditionally right now. Uh, you know, typically the way that it works is, you know, as a kid, you're using the library for school or whatever, you know, school's taking you to the library, your parents taking you to the library for, you know, projects and stuff like that. Uh, once you get out of high school or college, though, you know, you may not be using the library for a while. And then maybe you have kids and then you take the kids to the library and stuff like that. And the cycle repeats itself. But there's definitely that gap in time there of, you know, what does the library have for me? Maybe I don't have time to read. Maybe I don't have time to, you know, or I have a computer at home. I don't need to go to the library to do that. Um, so, you know, things like the makerspace, I would say the, the median age of somebody, uh, you know, in the makerspace is probably like 25, you know, but, almost perfect demographic of, you know, age ranges of, you know, the people who typically aren't using any other services. We see uh, in our space, in the makerspace, a large percentage of people who never check out a book. Uh, you never use any of the library's other resources other than that. And, you know, you can look at it as a good, bad, you know, whatever. It's reality. And that, you know, this is what the library is to these individuals. Um, 
you know, there's people who come in and I, it's always blown my mind. You know, they'll, they'll come in to use the computer and stuff like that. And they'll come in, you know, every day or, you know, for days or weeks or months on end and stuff like that. And let's say a restroom is closed. It's out of service or whatever. And they'll say, is there another restroom anywhere in the building? Yeah, there's like six. There's, there's, there's plenty. But they, this is the only part of the library they ever venture to. Wow. So they have no idea that, you know, they walked past the bathroom when they came in, the, you know, downstairs kind of thing. Or, you know, there's another one just on the other side of the, you know, the wall here or something like that. So it, it, it is kind of funny to see, like, how people got staked out. Right. And how some people kind of lock into, you know, you know, they may never, you know, and I, I say, you know, the people who use the computer may never check out a book or whatever, but the people who are in there, you know, getting books and stuff like that, they may never come up and use a 3D printer. Hey, that's cool. You know, I, I, I think that's... Um, Having that variety, uh, having something for everybody is kind of the goal. Um, you know, even within the makerspace, you know, we, we really took a lot of time to uh, you, you think about, you know, 3D printers and technology and stuff like that as being like a nerdy kind of thing. And, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, an engineer in order to be able to do some of these things and stuff like that. And certainly, you know, some of the stuff you do have to have a certain degree of, you know, skill on the computer or, you know, that software knowledge and stuff like that. But then we have things like a recording booth. You know, you don't really need to know a whole lot in order to be able to press a button and, you know, record, you know, something once we get it set up for you. Um, you know, you don't have to be a technical wizard to take a picture with a camera or to make a button or, you know, to use a sewing machine or some of the other things we have. So Sewing machines? Yes. Wow. Man. So, I mean, really, to, you know, have that whole gamut <clears throat> of... My whole business can be <laughs> there in the makerspace you guys got to come visit absolutely we'll be glad to show you around show you all the cool stuff that we have and get some banners printed <laughs> yeah, that's awesome what about video games so video games you know we have a lot of people who come in uh particularly kids and stuff like that who you know get on the computers and they play their roblox or you know minecraft or whatever it is um we do have like in our, our teen area at the main library downtown we do have like a gaming area so they you know play xbox or wii or whatever i think uh I just brought this up recently in a meeting I was in. Um, some people were complaining about, you know, when the kids are playing Roblox, you know, they get really hyped up and a little wild. And they do. I mean, they're kids. Being it's a horrible kids. game, by the way. <laughs> I play that with my daughter, and I'm like, why is, what is the point of any of this? Yeah, <laughs> just I, run around and... Yeah, I, my, my... Oh, my gosh, she my, loves it. My oldest son, actually, my youngest son is getting into it just now, too. And, they, they, you know, I, I'm not a Roblox person. But, um, you know, my response was, you know, instead of being mad that the kids are being kids and trying to do this, we should be looking at let's create a space for them to be able to do it in and not be disruptive to the guy next to him who's trying to do a job application or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's again that balancing that space in different ways. So it's, you know, something that everybody's going to be liking or, you know, happy with. That sounds like the big challenge. It is. It, it is a huge challenge because, you know, you, you want to be, uh, have something for everybody, which, you know, of course, that's impossible. You know, it's a great goal. It's, it's an impossible thing to ever reach, but you want to try to get as close to it as you can. Wow. I learned a lot today. Stuff I, did, <laughs> I thought I knew a lot. I hear I learned yeah, so I much. Yeah. Even yeah. know about the makerspace. One other question I have is like, uh, like Google Books. Mm -hmm. You get on there <laughs> and someone somewhere seems to be scanning every page ever written in yeah, any, I think they any stopped book. that, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, is that is that something they teamed up with libraries to do? Is there someone at our library who 
you know, their job is to scan every dang page and turn it into a PDF. I, I'm just no. like, I, I get stressed out when I look at Google Books. <laughs> like, wow, how, like, it's amazing, but I'm like, how did this, I, like, it just, what a monumental task. Yeah, it, that's a really good question. We actually do have a department at the main library, um, our digital services, digital scan area, and it is literally, you know, the job of several people to sit there. And they don't digitize everything. Um, there's certain things, I mean, obviously, there's things that are in copyright and, you know, blah, 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 that they can't digitize and just put out there. But for example, we have some old city directories, you know, going back, you know, to the 1800s kind of thing. We have uh, been digitizing those and stuff like that, making them available online. You know, people who are into genealogy and history and stuff like that love being able to access that stuff. So yeah, I mean, we, we do that on a very localized basis. Um, and then I know at different points we have, you know, teamed up with some other, uh, you know, conservation labs and stuff like that who are doing it on kind of a, a larger scale so yeah i mean it, it is something you know books are great uh but you know books do eventually crumble and rot and you know is that the new they start with the oldest ones people don't return them and the oldest right ones first. yeah i mean no and i wish i had a good answer as to you know, what the uh, criteria is there that's beyond my knowledge but i'm sure that there is some sort of you know, like hey you know, this is the last copy of this out there so we better get this digitized before it crumbles and it's well, lost hopefully you're talking forever. to another library so like you know not oh. everybody's doing moby dick when you're like ah, <laughs> st louis did moby dick three years ago right right no I, I i'm sure that there's some sort of uh you know network out there of, you know this is what's already been done we don't need to duplicate efforts and stuff like that and i think honestly that's why we we uh, typically focus on a lot of local stuff because that way we don't have to worry about, you know, St. Louis or Chicago or whoever, you know, they're not going to be digitizing Cincinnati city directories. So, yeah. Hopefully. Let's <laughs> <laughs> save a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Right on. Well, I'll tell you what, I think we learned a lot today. We did. Um, I don't know if you listened to our podcast before, but uh, you, all of our guests get to throw out a code, a word, a phrase that'll be used as a promo code. So, Whenever people listen to this episode, they can go to cincyshirts.com or they can come into our stores and yell out that code and save 20% on their order. Um, and then when our next episode comes out, then that code expires. And that makes a lot of people mad, we find. Out. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are like, oh, they're trying really? to use that code. Well, no. You, well, that's listen, why, that's listen why you got to the new episode. Listen, yeah. out. listen to right. the newest episode, you guys. Yeah. But anyway, what would you like your uh, code to be? I, I think I got to go with the, the the most basic code that we have, PLCH, Public oh. Library Cincinnati Hamilton County, PLCH. PLCH. There you go. There you go. Yeah, very easy. Yep. Awesome. Every, everybody write that down right now. Yes. Yes. Make sure you get in here ASAP. All right. Get all those <laughs> sweet teas. Very right. good. And get, get your library app. Get your library app. And get on Freegal. Absolutely. Yeah, get down to the library. Come visit us. <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming in. Here's a tip I'll give for free The place for girls is the library And oh, that's a place for me Those book girls aren't easy Nate Pelly, you can connect with the library at CincinnatiLibrary.org There are branches all over if you want to go into a physical location And if you're outside of Hamlin County, well, I bet you have a swell library wherever you live And uh, many of them may have the same kind of services as our library Including Freegal and Hoopla and all those digital resources as well So if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast Just drop us an email, podcast at CincyShirts.com Put podcast guest in the subject line And maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about the person or not, doesn't matter If you have any contact info, that would be helpful And uh, we'll try to track that person down 
down and get them on the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the Tri-State. And as always, please go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts archives. All kinds of great episodes back there. Frank Marzullo's back there. Finn Rock. Uh, let me see. Mike Mathis, the former NBA referee. Cash Wright, former UC basketball player. Johnny Bench, Bronson Arroyo. We've had some big names on. Today's show was produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage cheese from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, in Louisville, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, and the like. Uh, kind of like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is PLCH. That stands for Public Library of Cincinnati, Hamilton County, but just PLCH. And uh, that's all, of course, all one word. You can use uppercase, lowercase. You can alternate if you like, if you want to be cute about it. And uh, you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or both. Or walk into one of our physical, or as we say, brick-and-mortar stores and over the Ryan Hyde Park or Loveland and say that code, PLCH, they'll give you 20% off. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. Download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye